everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding National Liberal Arts College. In this 28th edition of the 1853 podcast of the 2020-2021 school year, we'll hear about a new major at Monmouth College. It's one that combines two of the college's outstanding programs. And Monmouth College Sports Information Director Nate Beliva will update us on a wet and wild month of Fighting Scots Athletics. Monmouth's latest major combines two of the college's best programs, Art and Educational Studies. The Bachelor of Arts degree in Art Education will train teachers as art generalists with the full range of skills needed for a career of teaching art at the pre-kindergarten all the way through the high school level. As art professor Stephanie Ball points out, MAMA students can expect a broad and thorough art experience through the art department while learning research-based methods for teaching art to pre-kindergartners all the way through high school seniors thanks to the very talented folks in the college's educational studies department. So I think that one of the most rewarding steps of the process of proposing the visual arts uh, teacher licensure program was looking at the national standards for um, art instruction and realizing how readily we were meeting all of those because our program uh, at the art program at Monmouth College is already very diverse in terms of the media areas that we offer. Students have many opportunities um, uh, to explore not only different uh, media areas, but different approaches and different ways to get into the act of making. Um, We also have a good foundation of art history, which is a a required component for the uh, teacher licensure program to meet those state standards. And we have a good program of advanced work, which I thought it was really particularly good that the national standards focused on advanced work so that students are truly engaged in the act of making art. It's not just sort of learning those sort of rudimentary components, but they fully engage in um, making their own personal meaningful art, which has always been a hallmark of the art department. And the art education majors will be able to take advantage of that. And I just, I'm so grateful for the collaboration with the Educational Studies Department, which is what makes this whole thing very possible. And it's just, um, it is a moment, I think, to celebrate because we're bringing two really strong departments together. And for the benefit of students, I'm I think it's excellent. And as education professor Michelle Holshue Simmons notes, the art education major is strengthened even more by the unique way Monmouth prepares students to become a teacher. Well, you know, uh, we have at Monmouth College, we have a long history of uh, teacher ed. Um, This has been a a program for for many, many decades. And um, so... Uh, we have been involved in the the uh, work of preparing teachers for a long time. Um, one of the things that I think we as a small liberal arts college do really well is we prepare students with a, a broad um, background in the, the whole 
wealth of knowledge. Um, and so, you know, students have experience in, um, you know, the, the sciences, the social sciences and so forth. And then they uh, major in a particular area. I think that that is a great background for becoming a teacher. Uh, we all know that kids don't just think about uh, disciplines in one area. So when they're in an art class, they might be asking about a science topic or something like that. And I think that uh, there is no better um, preparation for teachers than a liberal arts background. Um, I also think that the close collaboration among departments, so, uh, you know, the, the education department with art or the education department with music or the other departments on campus um, is more natural here and easier here than it can be at other institutions because uh, we know each other. We are neighbors. We see each other. And so we um, we work together well. And, you know, my my Ph.D. institution, though, I love that institution, the University of Iowa. Um, it was hard as I was an English ed person um, when I was getting my Ph.D. And uh, so I was teaching in um, uh, people who were going to be high school English teachers. And they did not feel that connection between the departments that I think we can foster here. Um, it truly is a collaboration. And I think the, the students feel very much a part of both departments. They don't feel like they have to be in one department and are sort of, you know, an extra in the other department. Stephanie says that while there is room for growth and expansion, there's a lot of opportunities for art education majors, both in the classroom and in terms of preparing to become a teacher of art. <laughs> there are art opportunities particularly um, at the high school level, at the lower and elementary, it is, um, it is not as available as, um, as I would like. And I'm definitely a component of my art teaching is art advocacy, um, helping all students talk about why we need art more so that they can not only take those actions as teachers, but as parents, as administrators in the future to fight for the place of arts in schools. Um, I'll also say that an interesting thing that happens in this area is our collaboration with the Buchanan Center. Um, the art presenter program is not certified art teachers bringing art into the classroom, but it's one of the ways that our elementary students uh, in uh, Monmouth Roseville are exposed to art. They get to see and look at and talk about and then participate in making. So art is out there. It is not as strong as I would like for it to be. And to just build off of Michelle for a moment, um, because of the in, uh, the emphasis on uh, language arts, a component of my art education teaching is always using children's books as part of the art content to talk about how even those things, those basics that uh, people care about, we actually can we can do that in art too. Um, this is not, it is content as Michelle was saying, but it contributes to the full curriculum and the whole learning package of students. Art education certainly has a very bright future at Monmouth College, especially if the college's very solid music education major is any indication. As music professor Stacy Juke points out, the college's music education program is also blossoming. You know, we're, we're attracting students from all different walks of life. Um, and we're attracting students particularly who are number one, who may not, again, may not be sort of the, the 
image in our mind of what the traditional music education student looks like, but that's awesome because representation is so important and the differences in representation are so important, but we're also attracting students who want to be a part of the rural music education experience, which um, has not is starting to get a little bit more traction, but has not gotten as much traction in recent years as um, there's been a lot of research in the urban music experience, music education experience, but the rural experience is really a different experience with sort of a different set of needs, wants, desires from students, administrators. And so being able to attract students who are interested in going back into these communities that Monmouth serves and to be rural music education teachers has been a huge bonus for us. Monmouth education graduates teach in all kinds and sizes of schools, from the modern day equivalent of the one room rural schoolhouse to the city school with several thousands of students. Michelle Holshu simmons says that one of the great strengths of Mama's education program is that it excels in preparing students to teach in any environment, rural and urban. So, you know, we are taking advantage of our environment, our community that, um, you know, we are in a rural area. And just as Stacy said, there are um, uh, unique characteristics of rural schools. Uh, I think that would be the case, especially for um, some of the areas like art and music, where you know it is unusual for a teacher, for example, to be in one school. They're going to be traveling from, um, you know, when the reason there's a reason that the range is pre-K to 12. You know, they probably are going to be seeing a whole range of grades um, in an urban area that might be a more narrow range. Um, and so the the Tartans program, just as an example, is a program to um, uh, help students articulate what it means to be a, a teacher in a rural area and how to be a leader in a rural area. And uh, so we're we're helping students think about rurality, not as a default of like, oh, I guess I'll go back home to my hometown and teach, but instead as a mission, as an intentional, deliberate choice. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, we have and have always had students um, teaching in a wide range of communities, a wide range of settings. Um, and so, you know, we um, have a lot of our students who actually teach in the Chicago public schools right now. Uh, and, you know, my own teaching experience as a high school teacher was in Omaha public schools, large urban environment. Um, and uh, so though we do emphasize um, that you know, students uh, can can uh, learn about there being a, a rural environment. Um, as Dwayne said, the the place based education is emphasizing no matter where you are, you connect with your lessons to the environment that you're in. If that is next to the Mississippi River in the middle of farmland, then you think about how your lessons might connect to that physical space. If I'm in downtown Chicago, I think about place differently. And I think about how I'm going to connect my lessons, whether it be literature or um, music or art, to the physical space that I'm in. That's Monmouth Education Professor Michelle Holshue-Simmons. You also heard from music professor Stacy Juke and art professor Stephanie Baugh. They were talking about the college's new major in art education. And you can learn more about that in the education section of the Monmouth College website. That address is, of course, monmouthcollege.edu and just search for education. 
This is the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the college's Office of Communications and Marketing. April is not only the cruelest month, it's also one of the wackiest months when it comes to college sports. This edition of April has been no exception as the Illinois Prairie has experienced weather conditions of all sorts. That's included picture-perfect spring days, spring showers, and even a spring snowfall. Joining us to make sense of all that and tell us how Mama's more than half dozen spring sports teams are doing this year is the voice of Fighting Scots Athletics, Nate Believa. He's Mama's Sports Information Director and he's the person in charge of MamaScots.com, your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. As Nate notes, it's best to use a pencil rather than an ink pen when you make out a spring sports schedule because there are apt to be lots of changes and alterations as there have been in the last week at Monmouth. Yeah, you know, especially working in the Midwest, um, you know, you, you don't expect that you're going to get snow in the last week of April. Um, you know, you expect you're going to get a lot of rain in April and, and even into May, but um, snow is not really something that any program here um, is is going to be able to deal with. You know, with, with softball and baseball, there, there's weather rules um, and temperature rules, a feels-like rule for, for the bats and, and for the kids. Even I found out that lacrosse has one. Uh, theirs is a lot lower. I think it's 15 degrees, um, but there is still one, and that could affect them in a normal year in February, not so much in April. But, yeah, you know, tennis, um, they, they were, there were talks about going indoors and with tennis and maybe playing at Galesburg, uh, but there were, there were other issues there too. And on late notice – it's tough to get six courts um, anywhere for tennis. So things had to be postponed. Fortunately, we were able to work with Illinois College um, on the softball and tennis sides with Cornell on the baseball side and, and get those things moved. And everybody was able to get retested. Umpires uh, and officials able to get retested. Uh, fields were available. Classes had to be um, shifted a little bit. But everybody was able to, to work together and get all that done. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very fluid schedule. Um, right now, we've only got one date on our schedule for next week during the week, which is Thursday. But, hey, that might change. You know, if, if something happens on Sunday with the baseball and softball games and they got to go into Monday, um, golf's conference. So hopefully that will play off without a hitch down in uh, the St. Louis area for the men and in Jacksonville for the women. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Despite April's wacky weather, Mama's spring sports teams are having impressive seasons, and that's starting with women's lacrosse. Yeah, l- lacrosse, the last two home games for the women were uh, were very good games. They had senior day on Saturday and, and fell to Wartburg 11-8, to but that was a very uh, competitive uh, match throughout and, uh, and, and well played, and then beat Cornell on Wednesday night 7-4. to four. So Aspen Chatterton, uh, who actually scored twice uh, on uh, her last home game. And Leslie Montoya, the other senior, got sent out in style. And and Coach Tamara got uh, got a win in the last home game. They'll go up to Minnesota for the final regular season game over the weekend, um, but finished off the the home schedule with a win. So it's got to be a great feeling for them to get that done. There was a a nice contingent of parents that were here for both the Saturday and the Wednesday game to to be able to watch their their kids uh, one and two last times at home and uh, something to carry over for them into the offseason. Monmouth men's lacrosse team had a one and a half week gap off in their schedule. That's because Beloit didn't have enough players to field a team in a scheduled game. 
And now it's crunch time for the Fighting Scots men's lacrosse team. Between games, but they've got a couple big ones. Uh, now to finish up on the road, they'll go to um, to Wisconsin first uh, this weekend. Then they go up to Minnesota on uh, the, May 1st, which is pretty much a uh, regular season conference title game. Unfortunately, we lost at home to Northwestern. Um, so if we win up there, we'll be tied. And then it'll go into the tiebreaker scenarios of goal scored and goal differential and all that fun stuff for the tiebreaker. Um, but one way or the other, we're going to finish first or second in the regular season, which means we will host uh, the uh, first round playoff game on May 5th. And then from there, it will depend on what happens in that that game at Northwestern. But, um, you know, if we don't win the tiebreaker, we would be on the road for the conference final. If we would if we were to win that last game, May 1st, and then win the tiebreaker, we uh, would be home for for both games, assuming we win the first playoff game, of course. But um, yeah, so they're going to be in the conference playoffs um, and and they're going to host at least one game. So we've got to like the chances with that. They, they played well at home, uh, played well, really all year. Just that lost against uh, against Northwestern it came here a couple Fridays ago, uh, but they played well. A very, very high-scoring attack with Jeff Knapp and Kane Donahue and, and Mitchell Perez, and they got a bunch of guys that can score. And uh, Tegan Simons, who was the defensive player of the week this week, is uh, leads the league in uh, in save percentage, uh, least amount of goals allowed. He's uh, right now setting a single-season record in both of those. Uh, obviously, less games than a normal year, but still, when you when you look at the percentages and the averages, he's right there at the top in in our uh, in our short history for uh, men's lacrosse. So uh, having a fantastic year. He's a sophomore too. So uh, future future is bright for him and uh, uh, one of our many student athletes to win a, a weekly award this week. Monmouth's golf teams are heading to the conference postseason. Nate will tell us about those results in a future edition of the 1853 podcast. But in between the raindrops and the snowfalls, first-year Monmouth College softball coach Alexa McClurry picked up her first win as a Fighting Scots coach. Got, coach McClurry got the first win against Illinois College. Um, you know, as she said in the interview with me uh, after the Cornell doubleheader last weekend, probably should have gotten win two and or three. Um, but unfortunately, we had a couple errors late in those games and let a six nothing lead get away. And uh, and ended up with uh, with a couple losses to Cornell, um, but a chance uh, this week to go up against Knox, and uh, and and we we split with Knox the first time around when that was non-conference. Um, split with them, also split with Illinois College, um, and and those are the the next two opponents. So hopefully a chance to to make some hay there and uh, you know get up into the standings. The good thing is the first time we played all those teams, it didn't count in the conference standings. Um, so you got a chance to kind of see what they had and and make adjustments and go from there. And so far, the, the second time around, it, it's been good. And, uh, and now Grinnell gets into the mix as well since they weren't playing in early April. So uh, we have a home doubleheader against Grinnell on April 29th, which was originally scheduled um, for April 14th and got moved back because they weren't playing yet. So that's the, the one game they got added onto our schedule for next week uh, here at home. Alan Baterni is in his sixth season as Mama's baseball coach, and he and at least one of his players are set to make history at any moment. A chance uh, as we record this, uh, they play a doubleheader in about two hours on Thursday afternoon, so by the time fans hear this, and uh, uh, Coach Baterni very well may have his 100th career win. He's sitting on 99, um, and uh, I didn't know that he knew it, but he uh, he let me know this morning that he did know when he sent me the lineup and said, hopefully this is number 100, and I was trying to surprise him with the uh, 
social media graphic, but I guess some of the players found it and told him. Um, so they, uh, they're they ready for that, and, and hopefully a win against Cornell will make him the third coach in Monmouth history to get to 100 wins. Uh, we we swept the baseball awards this week. Mike Dato, who had a three-homer, eight-RBI game on Sunday, um, it was the hitter of the week. He had just a, a just a monster week. He had 11 RBI in the week. Um, he had a, a, a slugging percentage of over a thousand. He had an OPS over two thousand. Just crushing the ball. He now uh, has the single season, uh, single game. Uh, career home run records all tied. Um, so maybe today, by the time people hear this, he will have broken that record too. That was actually the joke between uh, he and Coach Paterni. Uh, if his 19th home run is a walk-off that wins Coach Paterni his 100th game, who gets the game ball? That that was that was the joke. I, I suggested they cut it in half and uh, go from there. So we'll, hopefully that'll happen. We'll see today. Uh, Jeff Garrett was the pitcher of the week. He threw a complete game shutout last week. Um, so we'll, uh, yeah, had some, had some awards in baseball. They scored 48 runs in four games last week, so that, that's pretty good, all against conference competition. Tied for first with Illinois College, and that's the weekend. Two games at IC on Saturday, two games here against IC on Sunday. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll know by Monday morning, uh, you know, who's the big dog in the conference going into the last two weeks of the, the, the conference season, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where we stand there because we're, we're going to throw our top four, and I would imagine IC is going to throw their top four pitchers this weekend as well. And, of course, just as April showers bring May flowers every spring, Mammoth Track and Field is once again putting up impressive numbers at its meets. They are absolutely crushing it. It's uh, three weeks in a row now that we have uh, had a, a track and field uh, winner. Uh, we had two again this week. We had two last week in Kenzie Baker and Alex Cutright. This week we had two. Julia Sturr ran the second best 10,000 meters in school history. Um, she has the best time in the conference by four minutes. It's insane. Um, and just just had a great run last Friday night up at Augustana of, uh, of 38 minutes and 23 seconds. And then Drew Thaxton just continues to perform. It's his second um, Performer of the Week award in, in conference on the field. Uh, he had the second best shot put throw um, in in, uh, in school history and, and missed the record by centimeters. I mean, it, it was right there. It was 16.63 meters to 16.67. That's how far back he was of the, the record that, that's been on the books for a while. Um, seventh best throw in the in the country this year in Division Three. So uh, having having a great season there. He finished third in the discus over at Augustana, which was a, a big meet with uh, a ton of schools that we hadn't competed against yet this year. Uh, they'll be at Milliken on Friday. It's a full uh, full Friday. I know uh, some of the some of the the student athletes are leaving here at 10 a.m. I think they're going down there in like two or three different waves um, on on Friday uh, with, with a van taking the the kids that compete early um, and then the bus going the rest. I know uh, Coach Haynes said they, I think the last event's at 9 p.m. on Friday night, so he told me it might be rather late in the evening before I've got a full uh, full report of uh, of who does what. Um, so that we'll have a late press release going out Friday night, hopefully, with uh, with, with some of our, our success stories from Milliken. But uh, looking forward to that. And then we've got the, the weekend full of uh, softball and tennis at home on Saturday and uh, a baseball doubleheader on Sunday. So uh, a busy weekend here, here at home and, and with some of them on the road, too. That's Mama Sports Information Director Nate Beliva. He's the voice of Fighting Scots Athletics. Don't forget that your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related is MammothScots.com. 
that's going to be a 30 for this 28th edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2020-2021 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Till our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody. Have a nice day and stay healthy. Thank you.